This is the Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Folks, to Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor, and Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record. I think it's potentially a very good week for the Sun Belts. But I'm just kind of going off on a random rant. It, it's it's just frustrating. It, it's... <laughs> uh. And missing in action is Jeremy Harper of Howl Razor. Shane, I think he's still in Montgomery looking for that ref that called the offside. <laughs> was his face as red as Butch Jones after that call? That was great watching him just absolutely roid out. I thought that he was going to stroke out on the sideline, and it was fantastic. Your your team, though, Shane, not able to really contribute to the bowl wins as well with James Madison falling to Air Force in the Armed Forces Bowl. Your thoughts there quickly before we kind of dive into it more later on you know i mean it's tough situation for both jmu and troy to be going through that transition of changing coaches as they're preparing for the bowl they got guys in the portal i mean everybody goes through that to some degree but i think losing the coaching staff during the bowl preparations is gonna is gonna hurt um especially when you gotta get ready for a team like air force and you know they're running a different kind of style different offense than most teams see throughout the year so not necessarily surprised by the result, but it does, you know, JMU fans are pretty, it kind of sucks for them that they, they waited so long to get to a bowl game and kind of went through, you know, all the uncertainty of whether that was going to happen. And then they get there and it's, it's not quite the experience. I guess maybe they were gunning for all along. Shifting gears though, of the great experience. I know that you jumped on board and you were a huge X league fan we have the Rookie of the Year joining us. Former ULM receiver Boogie Knight joins us. Rookie of the Year of what team was it, Shane? Uh, was the – now I can't remember. Boogie's going to have to remind me. I know it had something to do with like uh, Soda Pop or something like that. Asahi Challengers. Yeah, okay. Asahi Challengers. Yeah. So welcome in there, Boogie. Tell us, how. first of all, did you wind up going to Japan to play football of all things? Yeah, so uh, getting ready for the NFL, just like everybody's senior, like had high hopes. Like I know my senior year kind of took a little bit of like a left turn, getting injured, missing a few games. Um, so after the draft, not getting drafted, I had like some interest, but it was one of those things, nothing was sticking. So then I kind of shifted my gears to what can I do to go get more film? What can I do? Because I'm not even close to ready to give up on the dream. I know I got what it takes. So I'm like, I'm just going to go keep playing football the best way to like grow and work on the things I need to do was to play football. So um, I had my agent working and uh, actually just happened to reach out to me. They had a connection with the offensive coordinator of the challengers used to be at Western Kentucky with Alonzo Hampton, who was the special teams coordinator at ULM. And so that connection kind of like just ended up working out perfect. And he reached out to Hampton about me. Hampton spoke really highly of me. So then I, met with them. I had like five or six interviews, like almost like a job type interviews with them and everything went well. And I was just like, I'm going to take a leap of faith and go and do it. And then it ended up made some goals and checked everything off the list of goals I wanted to reach. So it went good. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Shane, I've never had an interview where they asked me about my 40 time. Have you? I have, I have not. (laughs) Wouldn't go well. Going over there. I mean, obviously different cultural How's the football though? I mean, is is it still pretty Americanized football? Is this kind of JUCO type level of football? Is it D one? Is it really a true professional ranks of football? Yeah, no, I 
I was a little worried about if the level of competition would be good enough to like help with film and it surprised me a ton. The competition was really good. They play like the same exact rules as American football. There's no it's not like Canada where there's like twists and turns, like three downs, the motions, it's all exactly the same. I'd say the competition is definitely like division one type level. I would say it's it's a good professional league. I think outside of like NFL CFL and then the new league, the XFL league, it's probably the best in the, the world. Um, the Japanese players, they're very knowledgeable in football. Like their knowledge level, the way they take it, the film, the way they study and execute, like their knowledge of football is even higher than what I experienced in like the group of five level. Like it's their full-time like focus, like very in tune with the level of play, but not only like that, but like they're very – smart very like surprising and the talent was really good i know those guys american guys that played had stints in the nfl mini camps or training camps or preseason rosters so almost every american has nfl experience and then i'd say a lot of like the top japanese players there could come to america and play like high division one football but then there's like some obviously some some guys that maybe not make that criteria but i'd say overall it's it's division one type vibes so what's football culture in japan like obviously you said the guys who play are so into it and they they really know the game what about are there a lot of football fans there do they follow american football do they follow the nfl and stuff over there yeah so football is huge over there it's still a growing sport but like the nfl is like it's so big there like as far as like their jerseys, like the knowledge they have on the players, everybody's aspiring. Every Japanese player is aspiring to be the Pat Mahomes or the um, DK Metcalfs. Like they're all like they study those type of players on film. And as far as our games go, like it's great crowds, a lot of pretty much sold out crowds. Night we play in like professional soccer stadiums, so it's big stadiums, and all the fans have like signs and jerseys and they wait after the game to get the players autographs and take pictures. So it gives you that same feel as like professional football. Like I I'd compare it to like the XFL as far as like popularity, like it's not the, it's not the main sport in the country. So they're not everybody's diehard fans, but it's like the people that are fans, they, they really go all out for it. Any crossover, any familiar faces you ran into over there whether it be sunbelt competition or even from your mac days at akron not directly like face-to-face people i know or like but there's like some mutual things so like some guys in the league americans i play with like even on my team like we know somebody back home like i know for instance there's the db on our team trained with a db austin hawley who used to play at ulm and then there's guys like that and my quarterback we've had connections just here and there it's it's like all the Americans there. It's like a such a unique experience that we all kind of create that own bond and you start talking. You get to realize you know more people through them or you've all met mutual people. This is so is there a big culture shock going over there? I can imagine, you know, somebody goes over for a normal job and they're just like kind of working in an office. It's got to be kind of crazy. Going over there to do something as American as play football, is there as much culture shock when you get there? Yeah, definitely. The first few weeks, the culture shock was real. Um, it's very intimidating, like stepping foot in a new country where the language is so different, like sometimes in like Spanish speaking or 
other languages that use the similar alphabet or they like you have an idea some of the words are the same japan like it's all symbols or it's it's very different like hard to get around i was the money's so different i was worried about going to grocery stores and all that at first just because you're so scared of the communication barrier but it gets easier and my quarterback who's been there for like five or six years kind of showed me the ropes and then um i just kind of like got more comfortable as we go and then the one thing about Japan is when you go to like the big cities, like I live in a big city, but it, there's like Tokyo or Osaka, like the two, some of the biggest cities in the world. when you go there, you really kind of feel like you're in America because every it, like English is their second like language. It's like the universal language. So like you go there and it feels like New York city, like everybody's kind of speaking English signs are in English. Like, so it's a little easier in the bigger cities. Gives me hope that I'll be able to make it there because I did not fare so well when I went to Central America. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, 13 hours time difference. How, how does that play on you? And, and when do you get to go back there? Yeah. So time difference is tough. That uh, jet lag was real at first. A little hard to fall asleep. Like I was getting up at like two or three in the morning and starting my workouts just because I couldn't sleep. But it's almost I like it because you're only there's only a few hours where you're really on your phone because the entire part of your day, everybody back home is essentially sleeping. So it just gives me even more time and focus to put into football, watching film, just training. Like there's really, it's like almost just feel like in Rocky when he goes to Russia, like that's almost essentially how I think of it. Like I'm in a different country and all I do is pay to just train and get perfect my craft and get better. So that's, that's like the way I'm looking at it and it makes things like better. I was gonna say, you mentioned your quarterback's been there for five years. Is that something you could see yourself doing? I know, I know you want to get back and play, play it, you know, at the highest level. But is that something you could see yourself doing and staying there for a while if you enjoy it? Yeah. So I talk to my family about that pretty frequently. It's it's one of the things where to me, it's it's the second best life that I could live in my head. That I personally think like the NFL is the goal, and I'm gonna chase that until I'm done playing football. But if I'm not in the NFL, I truly think that playing in the X League, playing football is a job and getting paid to do so is a dream come true in itself. And every day I don't like I just appreciate what I have and being able to do something that not a lot of people get to do. Not a lot of people get to play even college football, let alone extension of their career playing professional football. So it's something that if I'm not in the NFL, I'm going to play in the X League until the wheels fall off. Do they get do they get the nickname? Does that translate well? To, to Japanese. Yeah, they love it. Um, they definitely, to them, like they hear boogie and they just, yeah, they think dancing. Like it's one of those words that kind of like they understand just because there's a select few of words that kind of translate from English to Japanese that they use similar words. So when they all hear that, they think dancing and they like to laugh and dance with the name. So it, it's funny. It translated pretty well. Selected to represent Team Japan on the All-Stars for the upcoming uh dream bowl against the ivy league all-stars how big is that that you get to kind of go against uh, the smart kids so to say in in the international game yeah no it's huge uh when i when the nfl didn't work out and the x league gave me the opportunity i wrote down a list of goals on a paper and i read it every day from that day until the season finished and making that dream bowl was one of the top goals on my list so being able to do so it meant a lot and being able to play against Americans again, almost like that. It's like, to me, it's like a revenge tour, like where I get to continue to prove myself and 
playing against competition that, well, if the NFL is like, well, he's playing in Japan, well, now he's playing the best of the Ivy League conference and he's still putting up great numbers or he's doing his thing. So I look at all that as just opportunity and a great experience. It's a great venue. They play in like the Tokyo Dome and sell out crowd. And it's just a cool opportunity. Something excited to be a part of. Big time difference. But are you able to still kind of catch up at least a little bit on ESPN, the good old Warhawks and the Sunbelt Conference? Yeah. So the time difference, it's weird. But so like because we practice on the weekends. So the Warhawks would be playing. And if they play like a like they usually play night games, especially the first half of the year. So they're playing at, let's say, 7 p.m. at ULM. It's like 6 p.m or 6 a.m. Sunday morning in Japan. So I'll just wake up a little early before practice and be able to like catch the game. Or sometimes if they're playing like a noon game or a 2 p.m. game, like I kind of just wake up throughout the night, check my phone, or if I'm up, I'll watch it. But I definitely stay connected with uh, ULM and I watch like all the Sunbelt games. Any game I can get on, I'm still trying to watch as much college football as I can or watching some NFL football. Just the time difference definitely – plays a factor and makes it a little tougher, but I manage. Boogie, I think that's all that we have for you, man. I greatly appreciate it and looking forward to checking out the stats as you go against the smart kids of the Ivy League game. And uh, we continue to see you in the uh, X League and hopefully back stateside in the XFL, USFL, whatever the new league is called, and hopefully eventually in the NFL. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. He never got to be in a ball game. Tragic. Yeah, that's tough. He's one of those guys who, who deserved it. But it didn't really seem like the Sun Belt wanted to be in a bowl game this year. Five and seven was absolutely disgustingly horrible and every other word that we can say. Was there any good that came out of these bowl games that you that, that you can think of? I mean, it ended well. Texas State, I mean, you gotta love their performance they're taking back texas they're going to dallas and they're beating the team from houston and buying all the beer like i mean <clears throat> that, that'd be the highlight of bowl season i think for me it's <laughs> just look what texas state did with their first opportunity yeah i mean i i think the bobcats were were definitely one of the brighter parts of the bowl season for the sunbelt conference i just did not really think that Coastal Carolina was going to be on the winning side. And quite honestly, I didn't think South Alabama was. I mean, I I, I know we always joke about it and all that, but I, I just didn't feel <clears throat> that they had all the pieces coming back into that postseason game to really make it a competitive game, whether it was on their home turf or not. Yeah, I mean, if you just kind of look at the bowl results as a whole, they don't jive with what happened in the regular season and i think it tells you something about the problem with college football right now too is that you know we're at a place where we're doing off-season free agency and coaches taking new jobs before the season's actually over we wait three to four weeks before we play these postseason games like obviously there's going to be weird results that don't make any sense that don't matter with what happened in the regular season. I mean, Troy, JMU, App State, those teams proved themselves in the regular season. App State got their bowl victory. But, I mean, I don't think it takes away necessarily from what Troy and JMU did in the regular season that their coaches bailed on them. And 
that's just kind of where we are with football postseason right now is we somehow I, I it still just kind of baffles me that it's the only sport where free agency and stuff begins while the season's still going on. Like, but if, if that's the case in, in, I agree with you uh, or, or the spirit of what you're saying that if Signetti stays at JMU, I think that's a completely different ball game. I think the preparation up to the game, I think the actual execution is different. But if you're going to hold the coaches hostage, for lack of a better term, to finish out the season, finish out the ball game, what about the players? Do the players have to stay as well? Well, I think if you didn't, if you didn't have signing day in early December and you didn't have the portal opening at the start of December, if you waited till January for those things, then the coaches wouldn't feel the need to bail right away because the players wouldn't be bailing right away. They wouldn't be trying to put their team together at the next place before they were done at the first place. And that to me is like, I don't understand why the people who run college football set up a system where that's what you're doing in December instead of preparing for the last game. That's supposed to be a big deal. But how do you fix it? Because if you make the December signing period, only the high school, because by then their state championships are over. It's not really very impactful. How are you getting these guys out of the portal to get them on campus for spring practice when classes start in early January? Yeah. The spring spring ball thing is the big, I think the big holdup is everybody wants their guys there for spring ball. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just, I don't know if that's worth it for the overall health of the sport to not go back to high school signing day used to only be in February. Mm-hmm. It's pretty new that they're, we're doing this in December. Um, there used to not be a, a free agency period for transfers like that. And I, I want guys to have the freedom to go where they want to go. But I mean, just to open the doors for everybody to leave before the season's over doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I think maybe coaches are going to want those guys in for spring ball. Those guys are going to be at spring ball at their next place. But I don't know. If, I think you kind of got to sacrifice spring ball a little bit for the overall health of the sport. Not going to happen. When, yeah. when, when there's a new coaching staff coming in, they need every snap that they yeah. can get in spring ball, summer ball, and everything in between to make sure that that offense is alive and kicking. But I I don't think that you're going to be able to sacrifice that spring ball. Maybe spring ball should be in June. Yeah. Still, I, technically I mean, still spring in early June. <laughs> not in the South, Shane. That, that, that's <laughs> summertime. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for the spring ball aspect of it, but any team that you felt was maybe a little bit more disappointing than the others in the bowl games that we that we did have? Uh I mean the way ODU finished was quite disappointing. I I don't know if anybody like was overly disappointing. I mean, for JMU, I think to lose two of the last three, that's pretty disappointing given the way things started and the the possibilities that seem to be there. I don't know if the actual game itself was that disappointing. They didn't get blown out. They were relatively competitive against an Air Force team that was really good early in the season when they were healthy. Um, 
so that was supposed to be a good game and it was um yeah i, I don't know if the most disappointing thing other than just like to start not getting the wins to start hugely disappointing finish for arkansas state and it's not necessarily their fault um <laughs> i just yeah i mean you we're talking about five and seven being a disappointment um also got to remember we're talking about you know third and fourth worst teams in the conference got into bowl games they're not really expected to win against other good teams and if odu doesn't completely blow it and if arkansas state doesn't get a terrible call we might be talking about seven and five which i think you'd celebrate a winning record with 12 teams in a bowl i feel like that's a shot directly at me there shane saying that we can't even get to five and seven. Um, I took the, the game to me that hurt the most was definitely that Louisiana Lafayette game losing to Jacksonville state, because you already have all the conversation that Liberty and conference USA are the premier G five with them getting into the new year six. And then you add the new kids in the block, Jacksonville state getting a, a, a win in Louisiana in the Cajun Dome, in the Cajun Dome. Yeah, it might as well be the Cajun Dome. In the Louisiana Superdome for their seventh trip to that New Orleans Bowl. That one, to me, stings a little bit. I I, I really feel like they kind of came into the league, into our house, and, and really uh, disgraced it with that win. Yeah, I think it does. It doesn't sting as much to me as Western Kentucky beating ODU, I think, because I felt like Jackson's, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, and Liberty were legitimately good teams out of Conference USA for the vast majority of the season. I didn't think Conference USA really had much after that. And, you know, Western Kentucky gets the bragging rights for Conference USA in a game that ODU really dominated early and completely fell apart. So that one maybe hurts a little bit more to me, like, or at least it's less surprising, but it is, as you say, going right to the heart of Sunbelt country to do it should have been basically a home game for the Cajuns. That one, that one's pretty tough too. I mean, any of the losses to conference USA just don't fit the narrative that Sunbelt's trying to build, frankly. All that depressing talk about football. But we're now at the conference portion of the schedule for men's and women's basketball. James Madison gets to open up their nationally ranked portion of the conference schedule at home against the two-time defending champion Texas State Bobcats. Does that game take on a little bit more meaning, at least of what you've heard from the coaching staff, or is this just all about being 1-0 as cliche as it is in Sunbelt Conference action. <clears throat> I mean, they talk about, you know, just winning the next game all the time, as cliche as it is. Um, I think that's been the focus. They're obviously pretty fired up to start conference play. Um, Texas State beat JMU at home last year. They had a kind of weird stretch where they lost two home games to Texas State and App State that they really shouldn't have lost those games at home. So I think they probably remember that one. That, that should help JMU kind of be prepared. Um, been off for about a week though. So I, you know, interesting to see just kind of, you know, how they, how they respond after going home, coming back, 
getting back into practice the day after Christmas and kind of trying to get refocused on on basketball when you've had all the holiday stuff and you know you're not really in your normal routine you're not going to class or anything you're the only kids on campus it's it's interesting always interesting to see how how teams respond to that ulm gets the tough trek traveling to app state they're on a, a skid right now i i watched them play against sam houston a good team from conference usa i know we were discussing that earlier a good physical game though that i think will help them prepare for the Sunbelt Conference, but it's tough to go to App State and play. There's something about Boone and that altitude that definitely gives them the home court advantage. So I like the Mountaineers there as well. Troy going to Coastal Carolina. I think Scott Cross has his team fired up and ready to go for Sunbelt Conference action, especially for this opener at Coastal Carolina. And I also think that Arkansas State is finally going to turn the corner and get the big win at Georgia State to open up their Sunbelt Conference action. Yeah, I'm with you on on most of those. I mean, App State's just – they're showing to be a pretty good team. Their their fans are showing up for basketball now, so it's a you know going to be a tough environment. Uh, Troy, I think, is just a better team than Coastal. I don't think Coastal's – Coastal's not a very good basketball team right now. It's been you know, switching coaches midseason and everything like that. The Arkansas State-Georgia State game, I think, is one of the most interesting ones on this opening slate because I think just two teams that have shown some promise at times this year um, don't have you know exceptional records right now, but I think are two teams that can really compete to be in the upper tier of the league, and it's one of those games that, you know, Maybe down the line, we're looking at that one as the difference between getting that, you know, double buy or the buy in the Pensacola, as opposed to, you know, having to win four or five straight to, to make a run. Does Georgia Southern get a win this week? You think as they host Southern Miss to, to tip off the season? I would be surprised. I think Southern Miss, yeah, they got Andre Curbelo now. I mean, there's, there's been some disappointing, I think, results for Southern Miss, but I think Southern Miss is just a way more talented team. I think, you know, <laughs> you could almost put Austin Crowley with four guys from campus from the rec center out there, and I think they'd have a pretty good shot to beat Georgia Southern right now. It's just, it's been tough. Cajuns travel to Marshall. I'd like this Cajuns team, but once again, kind of like that ULM App State. I think Marshall's just a different animal when they're at home, that that kind of gives them the edge to open up the season one and oh, then South Alabama going to old dominion. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see this game to see how does old dominion rebound with out their coach. And then how are they kind of recuper recuperating from that diamond head classic out in Hawaii as they get ready for the games that really matter, the Sunbelt conference games. Yeah, I mean, as far as ODU goes, uh, you know, it's one of the teams I've seen in person so far since they played JMU three times this year. Um, I think they've got some talent there. Just have no size. Um, trying to figure out ways to make that an advantage, but um, tough situation with Jeff Jones having a heart attack, having to kind of make the adjustment there. You don't have your head coach. They seem to rally around that a little bit in Hawaii. They got a decent win there. Um, you know, they go one and two, but that's a tough field. Um, so I think at home, you know, they get a good crowd. 
there at Chartway Arena. I think they've got a good chance to, you know, start out conference play on a solid note at home. The Louisiana Marshall game is another one of those ones that I think is going to be just really interesting. And it's, you know, almost kind of a, um, a look at, you know, the different ways to approach the offseason. You know, Louisiana, they did lose Jordan Brown, but otherwise they kind of just chose to ride with the guys they had. They didn't hit the portal real hard. Um, kind of just decided to, you know, keep continuity in the program going. Marshall's brought in some new guys that had a lot of turnover. They also lost some of their best players. Um, and I think it's taken them a little bit longer to get going this season. Um, like I said, it's hard to win in Huntington, but I kind of just like, I went from being skeptical of Louisiana, not making any moves in the portal to kind of liking that. Cause they seem to have just, you know, let their guys develop and let some of those new guys step into bigger, some of those guys who've been around step into newer, bigger roles. And I think they have a pretty good shot to, to do something in Huntington. On the women's side, how ironic that the team that we're all anxious to see is Georgia Southern. They are going to travel to Texas State to open the season. I think that's a pretty good matchup, but I think Georgia Southern has shown with their 10-3 and non-conference record that they are the team to beat right now on the women's side. Also, Old Dominion travels to South Alabama with their new head coach, South Alabama. They've struggled a little bit in non-conference action, seven and five. But overall, I think that uh, South Alabama can get that win at home. App State against Louisiana Lafayette. I like the Raging Cajuns. They're at home. Arkansas State over Coastal Carolina. And you might not like it, Shane, but this is going to be the real test for ULM as they host James Madison. I'm buying in because of what I've seen early on on the Warhawk women's side, they might have one of the better teams and will definitely have the better team on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I think you talk about, you know, Georgia Southern maybe being the team to beat, but I think the margin is kind of razor thin top five or six teams. And we saw last year, the difference between being the five seed in the tournament and the one seed of the tournament, I think came down to like the final day. Um, I think it's going to be similar this year because you know, a lot of the teams you mentioned are looking pretty good. Uh, ULM turning around early. I think their their only losses are to Power Five teams, correct? So that far, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, I think JMU's off to a good start, but you know those those road games. You know, especially when you're going all the way from Virginia to Louisiana, they've been known to trip some people up. So. Definitely be interested to see how Sean O'Regan's team kind of reacts to not playing well at Maryland. Um, but that was coming off a really good performance at Maine. So they've been a little bit up and down. It'll be interesting to see which JMU team kind of shows up for that one. Marshall at Southern Miss and then the delayed Georgia State at Troy. I think that that's the game to circle and to definitely tune into on Sunday Game delayed due to the passing of Kayaja Williams. I think I said her name right. I hope I did. The Montgomery, Alabama native passed away. No details really released on what happened there, but it did push the game to Sunday as the team 
gets ready to go to her funeral there on the Saturday traditional game day. I think either Troy kind of uses this as a rallying cry to kind of win one for the Gipper, so to say, or they're still just the emotional wreck and it doesn't matter who they're playing. It's going to be an L. And I, th I think it's the extremes either side of that. Would love to see Chanda actually get the win for her team and her fallen player. And then Marshall at Southern Miss. Southern Miss, of course, winning the women's side last year uh, with all the tiebreakers and, and everything that it came down to for the postseason. I got to think, though, that uh, Southern Miss still got it going on to move to 1-0. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's been a solid start for Marshall and her new coaching staff and everything. But I think, you know, Southern Miss is just, you know, probably – in a better spot program wise right now that they're, they're building off of a solid season last year. I, I think they're probably going to be favored in that one, but like I said, I mean, honestly, the, the opening weekend for the women might be as interesting or more interesting than men's just because I think the league is like so balanced right now that, you know, these games are going to really matter come March. Without a doubt. I mean, I think the top four, I mean, Georgia Southern standing out a little bit more at the 10 and 2 mark, but everyone else, uh, two, three losses. It, it's it's all a mix. Even the 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 worst team, Troy at three and seven, I still would never bet against uh Chanda and, and, and would take her with even an, an Owen 10 team coming into uh Sunbelt Conference action. Yeah, and they always play a tough schedule. You you know, you look at the teams they're they've lost to you're Iowa State, Memphis, Georgia. You know, they always play that kind of schedule. They're Tennessee, you know. So their non-conference record usually isn't necessarily an indication of what they're going to do in league. I think the Sun Belt's getting tougher for Troy to dominate it like they used to, but um, I, I'm not counting them out just because their record isn't great right now. Shifting gears back to football for a minute there, Shane. All the hype was about the, the, the good old Pop-Tart Bowl. Did you get a chance to watch it? And what were your thoughts on the edible trophy? I didn't watch any of the game, but I, you know, had clips of the trophy coming up on my phone, like constantly and the, the mascot, everything else. Um, it was perfect. This is what bowl season's supposed <laughs> to be like having a lot of fun in a game against, you know, good teams. This is the game doesn't really mean a ton, but it's, entertaining teams playing against each other, having fun, having the mascot. If you're going to pay, if you're going to make this like sponsorship type of deal, you and I are both old enough to remember where not every bowl game had a sponsor and it was like a huge deal. Um, if you're going to go that route, then go all out with it and like <laughs> make Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts getting their money's worth for this advertisement here. Um, I want to see this kind of thing in every bowl game. I want to, See a Sunbelt get ties in with uh with some good good edible trophies and mascots and everything else. I don't know, you know. Maybe we need like a uh, an avocado running around or like a big bowl of guacamole or whatever at the Cure Bowl next year. But I, I want to see more and more of that. Out of those bowl mascots, though. Who's your favorite between uh what's his name? Sir Cheese Sir Cheese It. The Idaho potato, Tubby from the Duke Mayo, or the Pop Tart? It's the Pop Tart right now. I mean, because I like Pop Tarts. You know, the, the other guys are okay. I don't, 
I hate mayonnaise. So like the whole, <laughs> the whole Duke's mayo bowl like thing just like weirds me out. I would, I would honestly, if I was coaching in that game, I might be tempted to throw it because I would like just be completely grossed out by that whole situation. I'm in the same boat, but it, it's it's definitely a, a three way tie. I, I could really care less about the cheese it guy. He kind of creeps me out, but I love the the Idaho potato. I love Tubby, the Duke Mayo, and and, and then of course the this new Pop Tart guy. He he's fantastic and and, and has definitely grown on me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm feeling though that like almost every bowl, it, it's got to be food sponsorships from now on. Like, no more bad boy mowers or weed eaters or, um, I mean, not not to knock the armed forces, but I mean, if you're gonna have armed forces bowl, it probably also needs to be like, you know, Cold Stone Creamery or something too, like just to get something edible in there because it's a uh, that that's the way every bowl's got to be from now on. I think. I did love it on, on the Sickos Committee podcast. They talked about uh, they only shop at places that sponsor bowls. So anytime they're going to buy military armaments, they only go to Radiance Technologies or Lockheed <laughs> Martin. So you yeah, know, there, there's the the extreme of, of bowlisms, I guess you could say as well. I, I wonder about sponsorships in general, just like um, <clears throat> what actually like gets a good return on investment. Because like you said, like, you know who's actually making their purchases for um you know military industrial complex stuff that is swayed by the bowl sponsorship you know i remember going to an independence bowl as a fan when it was sponsored by duck commander that year and i just shook my head when every first down was sponsored by willie's barbecue salsa <laughs> yeah I, I i i couldn't cope with it there's a lot of them that I wonder like just how much it like actually like helps the company that they're putting all this money into it. Like <clears throat> I noticed that the other day, like I knew that the arena in Denver was called ball arena for some reason. And then I saw some highlights and I see their logo on the court and it's like, Oh, like ball, like the jars, like for like pickling. For yeah. Yes. Like that, that's what it is. Like, so like there's enough people like buying those and there's enough competition that like, having your name on the floor for the Denver Nuggets like actually pays off for you. I, I can hardly believe that, but to each their own. Just remember there was an Amway uh, Amway Stadium as well. Yeah. Well, that's, And Avocare was also another sponsor of the uh, Independence Bowl. Yeah. So, for what that's worth. Short and sweet. Unless you have anything else there, Shane? No think we covered it all we ended as always with a plug promo parting shot give it to us there shane uh i'll just plug today you know you can keep reading as we transition from football to basketball season keep reading about the sunbelt uh dnronline.com slash sports my stuff there katie harper our new sports writer maybe we should have her on sometime talk some jmu stuff since we already ha- we used to get noah fleischman every once in a while Katie's the new Noah. So you can read both me and her dnronline.com slash sports. That was short, sweet, and easy. Yeah. Uh, just doing a simple plug. Remember, go to funbeltpodcast.com where you can click on the shop button. You can get the put Irk in the hall t-shirts as well as our logo t-shirts like this one right here. Uh, as well as several other t-shirts that we have coming out. 
we probably need to come up with some new designs there, Shane. So also, mm-hmm. if any listener has any idea, feel free to drop us a DM on our X platform at Funbelt PC. So for the rest of the game, Funbelt Podcast, we'll be back and do it again next week.